This is an Ace Radio podcast. A message from our partners. Do you know someone amazing? The Seven News Young Achiever Awards are now accepting nominations. Together with Ace Radio and the Women of Influence podcast, we're looking for outstanding young people who are making a difference. It could be through their studies, career, a sporting or arts achievement or volunteering. Share their story and help them receive recognition for their hard work. The awards are open to all Australians aged 29 or younger. To get started on your nomination, head to youngachieverawards.com. You could be nominated the next Young Achiever of the Year. Welcome to Women of Influence. Australia is home to some remarkable women. They're raising foster families, running cattle stations, living inspirational lives. Yet many of their tales of triumph are never profiled, never celebrated. So we're changing all that every week through our Women of Influence podcast. This episode, we feature Karen Foster, in the past, and I'll confess this, I have looked at other women and thought and been quite um, intimidated and threatened by their success because, you know, they've achieved success and that means there's no more room for me. It's something along those lines. So I'm making a big confession here today. I've grown a bit beyond that now and, um, you know, question and I've realised again, it's all about my internal thoughts that are creating that feeling. But for me, supporting other women um, comes back to no judgments. We don't judge, we just support. I think if we can just be happy for other women and what they've achieved and applaud them really loudly from the sidelines. This is her story and I'm your host, Kate Mead. All right, welcome to this episode of Women of Influence. I want to tell you about Karen Foster. Now, Karen is someone that lives locally to me, not too far down the road in Port Ferry, regional Victoria. I first encountered uh, Karen at a conference that she was organising for small business. It was part of Victoria's Small Business Festival. It was unique to Warrnambool at that time. That attracted some really great keynote speakers. What it did when attending that, that event was really gathered around the great people in Warrnambool and surrounding areas that were in business that were perhaps looking for that further development. That's where I really saw Karen start to shine in front of me. So she was always about other people, what they were doing and how she could best assist. Karen's in front of me now. How are you, Karen? I'm great, Kate. That's really what you did for me. You really opened up a business community, but I keep trying to work out how I could describe who you are. So the easiest way is for me to think about a business card and if we were to flip over the back of it, can we go through some of the things that you do? Because it's quite a list. <laughs> yes, you're right. And first of all, it's it's lovely to hear that that, that happened for you, um, um, opening up to other businesses and connecting with people, because that's probably what I'm really about now. But look, if you were to look back over my um, career, and, and I'm pretty old now, so I've, I've done a few things, <laughs> um, I, I guess I start, if in terms of titles, I started out as a journalist. Um, and the titles got became increasingly fuzzy from there on, I would say. But um, moved into marketing, public relations, started a business, um, sort of um, changed that business, started another business. Um, I've become a mum, uh, a wife, uh, and I'm still a sister and a daughter, so all of those titles. Um, but I guess today, if I had to sum up uh, what I, I do in my professional life today, I would say... It's primarily about championing women. That's that's where I've landed all these years later. And hence been wanting to reach out to you and, and get you in and start having a bit of a chat. Where did you grow up, Karen? 
Well, another good question. Um, my, I had very ambitious parents who moved around a lot, like a lot, and I thought every time my heart was breaking because I was leaving behind some some friends and you know what it's like when you're five and, and your world's falling in. But that turned out to be such a wonderful privilege for me to move around and experience different communities, uh, different ways of life, um, and uh, it really shaped who I am today. But probably um, I spent quite a bit of my formative time in sale and in Gippsland. So I'm a bit of a Gippy girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, love it, love it. Yeah. And when you were doing all that moving around and you sat down with your mum or your dad, mm-hmm. they would have had to have talked to you about resilience. There's a fair bit of um, a couple of layers of skin that you need there. Absolutely. And I don't know that we ever had that conversation together back then, but you're right. It's it's just about learning to adapt and, and you do build up resilience. And, and as I said, that's really shaped me uh, enormously. And it's given me a huge respect for community and what constitutes community and how critical it is for us to belong. Tell me about then your first job. How did you go getting a job? You know, normally if you've grown up in a little area where you go into the local shop or you go into this and that because um, you know the family or you know the business. So if you're moving around a bit, what was your first job? My first job was as a cadet journalist, and it, I started that, uh, I think, a day after I finished my year 12 exams. Wow. So a long time ago, and it was for the Gippsland Times newspaper in sale, and um, it's still there, I believe, <laughs> it's the newspaper. Um, but so I did things backwards. I, I didn't go to university till a bit later, but yeah, uh, but yeah it, was a, it was such a great time. I had a ball. Take Just... me back then to that moment when you open up the paper and you see your name in oh. print for the first time. What was your headline? My first byline. I, I don't know what it would have been something about a cat show, probably, or <laughs> something. <laughs> I don't know something happening in the community. It was a very, it was a cute little um, community newspaper. So, can I just yeah. say how impressed I am because my first job was at the Simpson Takeaway cooking fish oh. and chips <laughs> as a sixteen-year-old, and you went straight oh. in cadet journalist. <laughs> oh, look, that's life experience, isn't it, Kate? You would have learned so much. Well, I did, and that's the thing. It's, so, there's always something to learn from every situation. So, back as a cadet, I mean running around getting coffees or what you know tell me about a general day well no luxury uh, we didn't have the luxury of enough people to make coffees for so it was just me and a couple of others so it was right in the deep end it was such a great grounding um, you know to be able to write about cat shows for sure um, but I was doing court reporting really early you know within months of, of starting and and that was just extraordinary a great experience for, for me did you find working in a regional newspaper then that it was about becoming a jack-of-all-trades, so the cat shows, great example, going to court, um, deaths, uh, accidents mm. and those types of things. Absolutely. It's it's the best training ground, I think, and I still believe that today for journalists, it's to be able to work in a regional setting and you just get get thrown right in the deep end. Yeah, yeah. And so your one thing that you would have learnt from that time, that period... I think I learned um, confidence, to be honest, um, I, because I was just 18. Uh, here I was talking to people, you know, judges and, and police officers, and um, it, it gave me confidence uh, to, to really um, stand up and be heard and ask questions because I was pretty shy back then. Still am. You mentioned too then about going back to that you've done things in reverse. So what was the moment then that you said, I need to go to uni? There was, there was, did you miss out on a job or there was something there? I always wanted to go to uni. It was always going to be my plan. Um, I think I just was being a bit opportunistic and taking the cadetship while it was there, uh, knowing that 
really it was it was essential to have a degree. So so I did the cadetship, and then um, my parents, in the meantime, a lot, during those years, had moved off to Adelaide, and I thought, no, it's a pretty cool place. I might go and go and live there for nothing with my mum and dad, and go to, go to uni. So that's what I did. And what was the degree? Uh, I did a, a degree in philosophy, which is about <laughs> as useful as somebody very close to me said as underwater basket weaving. Yep, <laughs> excellent. Yep, okay. Yeah. Yep, it was the easiest one on the list. Or oh, what was no. the like? I'm like, you know, seriously, you've yeah. just come out of a cadetship. Like I was thinking, some type of media marketing, PR, something. You've listed those things, so I just presume. But no philosophy. No, it's philosophy. No, I felt like if I was going to go to university, I wanted the full, you know, the academic experience of contemplating life's huge, big questions. You know, like meaning of life, that kind of thing, which I actually wrote an essay on. Um, so and bioethics, which is all coming back today because I, I remember being very passionate about uh, euthanasia back then. And now, of course, it's all coming to pass and we're in a different world. But back then, it was it was um, we had to justify morally why that was a great idea. So it just was so expansive to go to university and, and, and think about all these extraordinarily huge issues. We've all studied something, haven't we, where we mm. think, how is this even going to help me in practical real life? You know, and then you whinge about it or whatever and get on with it. So how what what is the thing then that you found that it snuck into your everyday life, your everyday work or career? Because it is something that you go, oh, philosophy, eh? Yeah. Right. Like, you're not you're not a hippie in front of me. Like what's going no, on here? No, no. Well, look, it's it's actually um, it has changed my life. It did change my life, and it continues to this day to change my life. Um, in in most in most most days, I'm thinking about some of those lessons because even even if we take that meaning of life question, you know, just that little one, just the tiny question that we ask ourselves, what I took away from that experience at university was the meaning of life is all we can be sure about is we're human. We're, we're human beings having a human experience and that's all we can know. The meaning is what we place on it. So I have probably said about creating a life that's deeply meaningful to me, it, to someone else, that would be a very different, would look very different. But to me, I'm deliberately shaping a life that has meaning. And that goes all the way back to those lovely three years of studying philosophy. You carry yourself with such grace and poise and um, almost before you will answer or when I've seen you speak at events, you know, you take that moment to think through what you want to say and then come forward. Does that keep coming back to that philosophy for you, every experience that you have then? You just keep running that filter straight through. Well, thank you, Kate, for saying that. Oh, I think it does. Um, but I also think a part of that is wisdom. And I said earlier, I'm very old. If you say that one more time. <laughs> I'm just about 50 in a couple of weeks. That is That's not old. old. That I'm not. Oh. Uh, that will be the last I hear of it okay. unless we have another whole <laughs> catch-up podcast where we talk about ageism. But oh, that is yes. not happening well, in this room today. <laughs> Thank you. It's a very good point. But, you know, I love the fact that I'm nearly 50 because I feel like it qualifies me to do life. So yep. it gives you a bit of experience. But I think it does. It really really comes back to um, to get to your question, knowing yourself and, and having a confidence in who you are and being um, quite sure of the value that you can deliver in your life. Uh, and that, that really
really helps. That helps in, in the way that you show up and the way you conduct yourself and the way you deliver yourself. I like that idea of giving up. You get a licence almost yeah. as we get a little bit older. Like, yeah, we get permission or we give ourselves permission for those things that Correct. develops over time. No, I love that. Hey, Karen, can you tell me about the importance of... You used the word passionate before and you said, oh, I'm not really sure about that word. It gets overused a little bit. Can you talk to me about really needing to stand for something, really actually being passionate about something? Yeah. Um, look, and it is. I think it's just one of those over, overused words perhaps. There's nothing wrong with it intrinsically. But for me, um, a good leader, it, it, it always makes it really clear what they stand for. So if you're looking at them from afar, you go, aha, I know exactly where that person's coming from I know what they stand for uh, so if we're looking at you for instance um, the fact that you've even even gone to all of this trouble to, to start this podcast it's pretty clear to me that you stand for um, for encouraging other women and for creating a safe environment for women to express themselves in that as an example but I think that would be my number one leader tip, leadership tip generally is, is to know what you stand for so if it said to you if it are written on a piece of paper I stand for dot 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 Karen's answer would be I stand for women generally I just really feel um, very strongly about the need to nurture and lift other women up uh, so that they don't go through um, as many years as I did think doubting themselves because it can it can start from the beginning they can be confident they can be wonderful contributors right from the start they don't have to sit in the wings and the sidelines for as long as I did so and you I like that you're almost flipping um, the word passion around a little bit too because you know I've heard it before oh she's passionate. Yes. And I think, is it going to say that like a good thing or a bad thing? And you're saying, actually, you know, it's a great thing. Hmm. If you're going to be passionate about it. If you're going to be, absolutely, it's a great thing because it means you've got energy and dynamism. You've got a motivation to do something about that uh, or to, to or to forward that or progress it. So it's a great thing. Um, but you're right. It can be used in a, with a negative connotation from time to time. And we as women shouldn't be doing that to one another. We make thousands of decisions daily. Some are huge, life-changing. Others. Uh, whether or not we're having Diet Coke or Coke for the day. <laughs> How do you go about, you know, in business, in on boards, making decisions, even in life? What's your rules around decision-making? My rule around decision-making is make them from where you want to be um, and, and not from where you think you are. And perhaps if I can use a really simple example of that, uh, let's just say I wanted to run a marathon. And by the way, I'm never going to want to run a mar- marathon. I fully applaud those who do but this I did um, and I got up tomorrow and um, I thought well I haven't run in 20 years I'm not going to really do this however if I got up tomorrow and said I am a marathon runner and and I and, not, and I haven't can achieve that then I would make different decisions around that so I would make decisions the decisions of a marathon runner so I would go for that run I would eat particular way to support that so it's it's an, um, a small and but incredible incredibly powerful shift in the way you think about things. So it's imagining that you've already arrived where you want to be and making decisions from that place as opposed to a deficit, a place of deficit or where you might feel you are today. Did you really need to lean on that type of thinking heading into starting to 
represent yourself on boards. Yes, absolutely. Because that is a big jump when you jump onto a board. It is. And the, and um, stepping into a chair role, um, that was quite terrifying for me. And so I, I used this this approach. I thought, okay, what kind of, how does a, a chair conduct themselves? If I am a chair, how am I conducting myself? How am I making decisions? Sometimes there might it might come down to, you know, p- conflicting points of view. So how am I, as, as an astute and efficient and effective chair making decisions. So um, I'm coming to it from that perspective as opposed to I've never done this before. God, they're going to think I'm an idiot. It's not going to work. Really, really different place that you're coming from. It keeps coming back to this self-talk with you, isn't it? It's very much this internal dialogue. It so is. It's all an internal job. Karen, these decisions that you make then moving forward with your business, it keeps coming back to all of this, doesn't it? The decisions that you made in opening your own business. Tell me about tell me about that because I feel like it was an important part of your journey, creating something for yourself. It absolutely was, Kate. Um, it, some may view this as quite selfish, uh, but for me, uh, I was really intent on creating a life that I would love, that had meaning for me. Uh, there was also a very strong element of, of wanting to be more f- uh, family friendly because I had been working in marketing and advertising, which can be very, um, very high energy, lots of travel, terrific fun, but not very conducive to being a mum of small children. Uh, so there was that, that was a big uh, motivator for me to spend more time with them and have the flexibility. And of course, anyone who started a business will know that the horrible truth is you end up working way, way more <laughs> when you work for yourself. But at least it was on my terms and and I could if I needed to be there for them that was fine but I'll just make up the time else and, and you know later in the night or something like that so life experience cadetship journalism heading into philosophy at university becoming a mum all of these little pieces this is what I want to keep coming back to because you do have that moment to shape and then creating a team around that and leading so when you were leading and leading forward now Again, are you always looping back to those those fundamental things that you learnt early, or is that still? Yeah, yeah very much. Um, my my approach to leadership as and also to business is uh, you need to have absolute clarity around why you're doing it, and you need to be able to communicate that. So my career, my early career in journalism, helped me enormously with that communication um, and being able to put things into words and convey that. But I think good leaders need to inspire people around them and take them on a journey and um, and even when I had you know just one or two people it was equally as important then as as for 10 or 12 so um, for me it's really having uh, spending that time internally what am I doing this for you know what's this about and is it a big enough why to get other people excited and if it's not then you know maybe I just need to continue on my own. How old are the kids now? Oh they're gorgeous they're um so Kaylin is 19 and Brody is 17. So yeah. they're, they're grown up, but still my babies. And what do they talk about in terms of their career aspirations and things like that? Because they will have mm. followed you and they will have mm. seen you working, seen you get uncomfortable, seen you growing up in front of them. Like I always say, mums kind of grow up in front of their kids too because they're evolving. They're becoming something of their own too and all the stages that go with it. So what are That's they lovely, yeah. kind of talking about? 
I love that notion of mums growing up in front of their kids because that's that's so true. I hadn't thought about that before. But um, so Kaylin is at university now. She's studying health promotion, uh, and Brody is in uh, year eleven and has got a passion for physics and history. Which so who knows where that'll go? He's he's pretty cool and crazy, so no particular ideas. But it's funny, uh, you know. I think back to a time I was feeling a little bit guilty, you know, the old mother guilt thing, and you know I hadn't made um, a, you know a nice lunch for the kids and and I said look you have to just do something yourselves and Kaylin was quite young at the time my daughter said it's okay mum you're just not like normal mums it's okay and I think you know she's grown up in that environment and I think what I've seen her and particularly her because she's now stepped off and gone off to Melbourne to study but she has a fierce independence and she's never going to rely on other people to do stuff for her she's just going to she's just going to do it so any mother guilt I have I think I'm just erasing that because yeah, yeah. I think it's been such a wonderful experience for them and shaped them yeah wonderful I love that too I mean everyone's encountered it in some capacity once you have children it got, it kind of comes with you but it's giving yourself a little bit of a break or letting yourself off the hook oh, just sure. a little bit absolutely we, you know I think it was Quentin Bryce who said you know we, we women we can have it all just not at the same time yes my mother actually reminds me of that quote yes you know at least weekly Good. I'm glad to hear she does <laughs> <laughs> now, I just, you said very, very early in our little chat here today that you're most passionate right now in helping other women. And so, why? Um, why? What is something got yes, under your goat that made you, let me see if I can, something got under your goat that made you a little bit angry or unjust about something and you thought, you know what, I've got a voice of my own, I've got some skills here and I'm not going to remain silent. You, Am I about bang on? You are so perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And I'll tell you what it is. What got under your goat, Miss Foster? Well, this is what happened. I guess I um, was a teenager in the 80s and there were very, very, very few women role models then, apart from Joan Kerner, who was our Premier. But even then, I remember the discussions were around what she used to wear and uh, not about who she was or what, what she thought about. There were so few role models and it was a very masculine leadership energy that I grew up in. And um, as I stepped into more leadership roles later in my life, I found myself um, judging myself against those measures. So I would think, oh, because I am not masculine. I'm, I'm quite a soft person. Um, I had my, some of my very best friends saying, you know, if you don't grow yourself a backbone, you're not going to get anywhere here. And, and I used to think, but that's just, no, that's, I don't have to grow a backbone. I'm, I'm, I'm quite strong in myself just because I don't swear at you or slam the table. That, that doesn't mean I'm weak. And I think that has become, particularly in the last five or so years, that has crystallised for me into such a powerful lesson. And if I can somehow convey that to other women, that you can have your own leadership style. You don't have to be someone else's version of a leader. You can tap into your unique, innate qualities as a person and be true to those and be a fab- fantastic leader. So that's that's where I've come to in my life. And I feel utterly passionate. I know that's an over 
overused phrase, but I am so hell-bent on helping other women understand they don't have to be a bloke if they don't want to. You can be certainly have those kinds of leadership styles, but use the nurturing capability. Use your kindness. Use your capacity to bring people together. Use your collaborative powers because that's what makes us amazing as women, I think. And um, we're seeing a little bit of that now with the Jacinda Ardern's of the world. She is my heroine. So, you know, I'm so delighted to see uh, narrative around her that is positive because 10 years ago she would have been dismissed, I think, as being um, soft and weak. And emotional and, you know. Yeah, and a mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these things that we've had to kind of push down a little bit. Yes. I want to link back just for a minute because um, I I used the word licence. You didn't. You talked about, you know, I feel that, um, you know, I've got to that point in my life because I'm wiser. So um, now I'm in my 30s. And I keep I have moments where I can feel like I've got confidence, but I'm still second guessing a lot of the time, right? Yeah. So, do I have to wait until I'm getting older and why? How do how do we start now? So, even our our comrades in their twenties that are coming through uni that are entering into the workplace, like, what advice can you give to them, Karen? Because I'm we can say, oh, do this, this, and this, but yeah. you know, like, how do we put this into practice a little bit? You know, because yeah. the license, I feel like it's one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going <laughs> to, you know, oh, talk well, to me. Yes, I love that you asked this question. So, Kate, I would the first the first um, response is. Absolutely, you can do it today. It's You do not have to wait for anyone else or for one day when. It can happen today. And what I have learned is all of this is an inside story. So it's an inside game. It's what ha- what's happening in our heads and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. So um, I think uh, if I was talking to... A th- a woman in her 30s today who said, oh, how can I be more confident? Um, The first thing I would say is practice taking some risks and back yourself, back yourself and gradually build trust. It's it's essentially... Um, confidence is essentially about self-trust. So trusting yourself that you'll make the right decision, that you'll do the right thing. And you you gradually build up uh, evidence, I suppose, to back that story. And, and before you know it, you're actually, yes, I'm confident because I've done these things in the past. I've been through a rough situation and I've survived or I made a decision and the world didn't fall in. And gradually, if you're very uh, mindful of, of what you're doing and if you practice taking those risks, uh, you'll gradually build your confidence. It's just retelling the stories in your head. It's all a thought. Taking the risks sometimes don't always pan out. What are the challenges mm. that you've faced over the time that's, yeah. um, you know, maybe helped develop the backbone that yes. <laughs> may have been mentioned a little bit? Yeah, so um, absolutely. You've got to learn to be uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable if you're taking risks. And anyone in business uh, is a risk taker, I think, by definition, because it's quite risky to, to give up a comfortable income or, or a regular income to go and do something that's not proven. Um, so I think um, there, there have been, I've made so many mistakes, <laughs> so many mistakes. But, you know, I, I guess it's not about beating yourself up. It's it's about um, learning from that. You know, one of the big mistakes I made financially was um, keeping some employees on that I couldn't really afford to keep uh, because I loved them like family. 
really dumb business decision. I don't regret that though, because you know those you know that I still count them as my friends today. And financially, it was it was a bad thing for me to do that. But you know we're people, we're human beings, and I and I just think well I had a really enriching experience with working with those people. So that's. Nope, that's cool. And it's just, again, it's about the stories you you tell about that. I could have told a very, very different story about how pathetic I am as a business operator and and how ridiculous that I don't make decisions that are for the betterment of the business. But, you know, um, that's one way of looking at it. There are always alternate ways. Karen, over this journey that you've had, what's the something that you're most proud of, a moment, whether it was you said to yourself, I nailed that today, I nailed it, or knowing you, I it's probably going to be a story about somebody else <laughs> that you're able to witness. But I'd love maybe to hear something when you went, yeah, I got that, I got oh, that today. Okay. Um, well, I, I hate public speaking, like I hate it with a passion, but um, I've been practising it so because it's now part of my job, really. Um, and I think one of my proudest um, moments is probably just stepping up to the microphone and just thinking, okay, you know, what am I walking up to there? I was thinking, oh, what if they think I'm an idiot? Or what if I say something stupid? What if I forget what I'm supposed to say? And I thought, well, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I just relaxed into myself and it was all fine. And I felt so, you I mean, you could relate to this. You do lots of public speaking. Oh, right? yes. So, I relate. The internal yeah. dialogue, you yes. just have to tell yourself to pipe down. You do, Kate. <laughs> you just do. And and when you relax into that, thinking, well, what's the worst that can happen? It never, the worst thing that can happen never does happen. And um, I think that was the moment I, I realised, recognised I'm in control of this. I'm in control of how I feel about this, not not anyone else out there. So that was probably a bit of a pivotal moment for me. But um, and but in terms of pride, um, you're right. It is about someone else. It's about my parent, my um, my children. I think and and just watching them evolve into extraordinary people. That's that is an ongoing source of pride for me. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. And that um, it keeps circling. Everything keeps circling back with you. I just think. Then we talk about the work that you're doing now and being a real champion for women in uh, board, moving into board spaces yep. just within their workplaces. There's opportunities for leadership wherever you are. There are. There are so many opportunities. And um, boards, I mean, I'm on three boards at the moment and I'm really delighted to say we've got great uh, female gender representation on every one of those boards uh, and some young women too, which is, which is really exciting for me because that's not something I would have even contemplated until the last sort of seven or eight years. So um, I, I think that, you know, there is so much opportunity for women to claim their power and to step into leadership roles today. You just, as you said earlier, you, you know, you don't have to wait for one day when. It, mm. it can happen today. And it's it's just so enriching and exciting. Um, I'll come back to another question that's coming to me, but I want to talk about how women can support other women. Yeah. And I think... Well, the reason why I really want to try and get into this more and more with our guests is because sometimes I just think we suck at it a little bit. I so agree. You I agree. Know, and I go, so <laughs> part, part of me will say, okay, I just can't, ha- if you're not a supporter, you know, not everyone has to be a champion or love what you do or this type of stuff, but I can't have that in my life right now. I need mm. to put that over there. But I just go, no, 
can't we be better? Can't we yes. just not say anything at all if we? <laughs> yes, I agree. Look, because it's just you and I chatting about this. I think, um, I think, uh, in the past, and I'll confess this, I have looked at other women and thought and been quite um, intimidated and threatened by their success because you know they've achieved success and that means there's no more room for me. It's something along those lines. So I'm making a big confession here today. I've grown a bit beyond that now, and. Um, you know, question, and I've realised again, it's all about my internal thoughts that are creating that feeling. But for me, supporting other women um, comes back to no judgments. We don't judge; we just support. I think if we can just be happy for other women and what they've achieved, and and applaud them really loudly from mm. the sidelines, uh, and I try to do that um, not just personally, but even if I'm seeing someone on social media that I don't even really know but has done something great, um, I'll, I'll always you know give them a like or a well done or congratulations because you know good on them. That's that's yeah, we, that's, we should be doing that yeah. more and and. In Instead, you'll often see comments. You know, who does, who does she think she is? And that you know, that's that's going to happen. But I think women are certainly our worst critics, more mm. so than I don't see many men criticising women. It's it's really other women. Well, I was speaking to a group of people who were just casually, you know, just over a coffee and things, and I was saying to them, you know, do you think maybe part of the problem is, um, you know, people might say, oh, you're banging on about equality and um, equality on boards or equality in management and all that type of thing. You, bang, you know, like why, just having a woman in because you need to have woman, mm. women in. And I was trying to say if women are protective over that role or feeling threatened, the ones that are in there, perhaps it's because there's not enough of them in there and they've had to fight tooth and nail to where they're at. So, so you know, they're still coming through 10 years of having to let flash or rewind 10 years ago, they've had to fight tooth and nail to get where they are today, particularly if there's not many women on a board or in a workplace. And so, yes, you know, and then we need to now acknowledge the fight Mm -hmm. and the great work that she's done to get there and then how do we continue to support and champion her because she's coming through a different time. Yeah, absolutely right. And and the battles, they have been real. They absolutely have been real. And we perhaps don't take stock of that enough and stop to think, gee, that was, you know, we've come a long way in a pretty Mm. short time. And, you know, I used to be um, one of the people, those people who did not agree, for example, with affirmative action. Used to be, okay, well, I'd think, well, yes, it should be merit-based. Well, yes, it, there's an element of that. A woman needs to have the right skills. But until we are equal, she, she never has a, an equal right. And, and until we are truly equal as a society, a woman is always coming at things from a disadvantage. So I feel we need to bust right through that. And affirmative action is an excellent way to, to start that process. And then maybe one day in a perfect world, we will genuinely be equal. And then we can just make genuinely merit-based decisions around who gets to be in position of power and authority. So if we're in a workplace with you now, males and female in there, and Mm. I do think, you know, this is the Women of Influence podcast and we are women and I always, you know, try to acknowledge I've got incredible people that are male and female that are helping me all the time and shaping through. I just always then just come back to then how do we get better? What can we, in practice now, so we can say champion, give them a like, give them a whatever, you know, yep. what are we doing really about it? Is it about making decisions that, no, we want 50-50? Is that the hard – that's where you're at, yeah. you know, mentally at this time? You know, you're, you're a hard – yep, it's just – yeah. We just want 50-50. That's right. We just want equality. Yeah, we just want it to be equal, an equal playing field where we do genuinely have those those equal opportunities. But, but um, you know, in, in less um, 
you know, um, practical terms or perhaps in more practical terms, it's even in the conversations we have, you know, you know, it's it, with my friends, we've got, I've got a beautiful group of friends and, and we, I've noticed that nobody ever says a bad word about another woman. And, mm. and I think that is something we can all do every day in our life or, or call out behavior. If somebody is talking, you know, gossiping about someone, there's, there's no room for that. It's just, yeah, it's boring. It's boring. And if somebody's at work behave, mis, you know, behave in a way that you think is offensive to a woman or might be belittling her, call it out. These are the things that we can do. We can decide what we will accept is okay and then actually go about, you know, standing up for that. And this is why it all then links back to this philosophy course, coming back to your why, coming back to those values and then finding your tribe and hopefully that tribe just keeps expanding. Yes, exactly. It's yeah, and it's yeah, choosing that tribe on purpose. So you're passionately leading forward. What are you hoping to see in 10 years time? Hmm. So do you mean uh, in the global space or do you mean more like in my little bubble in Port I guess Ferry? it depends. Well, I guess it depends how you view the world. Is it about making an impact on the people that you are surrounded with or is it about trying to add your um, change to the bigger picture? A little bit of both. Uh, I think that bigger picture change starts locally. So for me, um, I have uh, started a, a small business called Your Soul Brand free little plug there (laughs) (laughs) why not why not which really talks um that so that is essentially combining or bringing together all of the threads of my career to date and it's working with women uh either one-on-one or in small groups so that's you know pretty local change we're not talking globally but um encouraging them to live their best lives and encouraging them to to live according to their values and their standards and you know in some tiny way that might make a little little chink of difference in the world at, at some point. Maybe it'll make them think a little bit differently. I'm not sure, but that that's that's where I'm taking action today. I feel like I can take away a lot of little talking points, a lot of moments that I can go, yes, this is how I can move forward. I just, if there was one thing, one thing that we could take away today, what's your absolute hard and fast, non-negotiable rule for life now, Karen? Could could I flip that a little bit and leave it a challenge instead? Yes, of course. Um, I don't hard and fast rule. I've got about seventeen of those, <laughs> but I think if I could challenge um, any woman listening today or man um, to to promise themselves to do one thing every single day for the next month to to show up for themselves, it might be. I don't know, making their bed, it might be washing their face, it might be drinking six or eight glasses of water a day. One little thing that will impact them positively, do it, show up for yourself every single day for a month and prove to yourself that you can do it and that you have got your own back. I think that is life-changing to be able to do that. Show up for yourself. What are you showing up for today? Um, I'm showing up for myself by by taking this amazing opportunity, Kate. <laughs> this is it's so exciting to talk to you. I thought you were joking when you said come and have a chat. Oh <laughs> no, not at all. We need our women. We need them leading from the front, and that's what we do. That's what we see online. That's the main way that we can really connect because it's hard to get in person like this. Mm. So um, yeah, you know, it it's it's wonderful to follow you through, and I want to thank you and say you are a woman of influence. And thank, thank you for sharing you, your story. I wish we could get into more of it, but oh, I just so think we, could talk about. <laughs> we can just um, take away some really great lessons today. So thank you, Karen. Thank you for creating this wonderful space for women, Kate. Really appreciate it. Thanks. 
Women of Influence is a podcast for Ace Radio.